AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation on COVID, but not about the numbers or vaccines or shutdowns. Today, it's about putting faces to the seriousness of the pandemic. In spite of the hiccup with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the nation is starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. Many are feeling safer, perhaps too much so. While millions have received shots in the arms, the numbers of people being infected are still real in many states and concern about another wave and variances are leading to increased numbers in many parts of the country. There is concern in some corners that America is getting a false sense of security. Some have begun to use past tense when talking about the pandemic. However, the truth is we are still in the midst of it. Neither a shot nor a mask is a guarantee that you will be immune to COVID. Advancement is not eradication. People are still dying daily. For those whose families have not been touched by this reality, the daily count of deaths doesn't always translate to real lives. We can't become complacent, 
Each one of those numbers represents a person, and by extension a family, that has been touched and in many cases devastated by the loss of a loved one. Today we're giving voices to two of those numbers in hopes of personalizing the fight and reminding us just how serious this is. Tiffany Jackson's family is one of those that has been disproportionately hit. The pandemic has hit my family extremely hard. You know, my grandmother has five children. Of those five children, I think four of them um, were diagnosed with COVID-19 last year. Um, Three of them very severe symptoms. Um, My father, his older brother, and his older sister, they had very severe symptoms. And the two um, siblings that are still here with us They still have lasting effects from COVID-19, breathing issues, nerve damage, um, you know, mobility issues. There are just so many issues that they had. We were just hit very, very hard. And then my cousins, many of them, you know, they were diagnosed with COVID. Right before COVID got really, really bad here in Michigan, um, we had a family event and we think that's kind of how it spread throughout our family because the majority of us were there. I personally was not, but um, the majority of them were there. And, you know, then COVID just ran through our family really, really bad. How did you look at COVID before it touched your family? There are some people who've taken it very, very seriously from the beginning. And some people, frankly, until it touches them, say, ah, it's not that bad. Yeah. So even before COVID hit my family, I took it very seriously because I think my father truly understood just how serious COVID was from the very beginning. So from the very beginning, you know, he was really on me hard. Like, you know, make sure you have food at home. Make sure you have cleaning supplies at home. Make sure, you know, you're wearing your mask. Make sure you're staying six feet. Make sure, you know, so he was on me every single day. So even if I wanted to be you know, a little more lax about it. He was not letting up. So from the very beginning, we were taking it very serious. And my son is asthmatic. So, you know, I was extra cautious about him because, you know, people with pre-existing conditions and especially conditions that involve the lungs, it typically is very, very vicious um, on them. That caution increased when her uncle and her father would be hospitalized and eventually put on ventilators. Like most families during these stressful times, Tiffany's was not allowed to visit their loved ones. We're naturally a close-knit family anyway. So it was very difficult for us having family members in the hospital and we couldn't go visit. And, you know, we couldn't for a while with my uncle we couldn't speak to him because, you know, he was on a ventilator. So it was hard to really gauge how he was doing. And, you know, we depended on phone calls solely. Um, And then with my dad as well, you know, for a while, he was able to communicate with us. He was able to FaceTime. But then once he went on the ventilator, my only communication was with the nurses and the doctors. And, you know, thankfully, he had a great team of doctors and nurses that were working, you know, on him. But it was still very, very hard for me not to be there. And my grandmother, especially too, because, you know, she even said to me, my baby's so sick and I can't even be there to hold his hand. So that was very, very, very hard on all of us. To see our communities still partying and, you know, not wanting to wear a mask and, 
you know, downplaying the severity of the virus is really, it's disturbing to say the least, just because I know how real the virus is because of how many of my family members it has affected. And even, you know, my extended family members, my in-laws, they, they've suffered with COVID-19 as well. So it just really disturb, uh, disturbs me just because people are dying every single day. Um, people are losing, losing their loved ones, loved ones every single day. And, you know, for people not to be willing to do their part, it's just very hurtful and very discouraging. Her uncle would enter the hospital first. His condition was grave and many believed he was not going to make it. He was placed on a ventilator, but would beat the odds and eventually made it home. That would not be the case for her father. Benny Napoleon was the popular sheriff of Wayne County, Michigan. Over the course of a 45-year career, he became a nationally known and well-respected member of the law enforcement community. Like his brother, the lifelong Detroiter would contract COVID, enter the hospital, and eventually be placed on a ventilator. But unlike his brother, Benny would not leave the hospital. After fighting for a month, the 65-year-old became one of the over half a million people who would die of the virus. Here's how his daughter remembers him. When I see my father now, I see his really big smile that, you know, he would always give whenever, you know, he would enter a room or someone else would enter a room. I can still hear his laugh because he had a very distinct laugh. I told someone else, like, if you closed your eyes and you heard that laugh, you're like, wait, Benny's in the room somewhere because you would know that laugh. Um, he was very lighthearted. Uh, he had a lot of sayings that he would use at different times. And one of his things would be, don't sweat the small stuff. So I find myself saying that a lot, you know, thinking that a lot when something happens, like, okay, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, just how passionate he was, you know, if he cared about something or if he was invested in something, he put a lot of passion into whatever it was, the amount of humility that he had, you know, no matter matter how big you know, he got or others thought of him. In his mind, he was still just Benny. He would always embrace anyone. He would always just talk to anyone. And he had so much integrity. Um, that's one thing that I always admired about my father was the amount of integrity that he possessed. I'm curious how you as a daughter yes. uh, take this. You see your father a certain way, yes. right? Particularly when you're little, he is the yes. man, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> So when you have that person succumb, mm -hmm. uh, what, 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 what is that feeling for you? Yeah. So when you have your person, if you will, succumb to something like this, rather sudden because, you know, it, it was in a month, it is surreal. It is just so unrealistic and it kind of leaves you at a loss, you know, at, in so many different areas, because, you know, even today I was having a conversation and it's like, I needed to know something. I needed some information. And I'm like, I would typically call my dad in, in this situation. I mean, even, every single day, there's something that happens that I either want to call and tell him, or there's something that I need to ask him. And I'm left sitting there like, okay, well, what do I do now? Who do I call now? So it's an immediate void 
that occurs. I haven't figured out a solution or, you know, a coping mechanism for it yet other than, you know, just to sit there kind of for a moment and then gather myself and move on. Tiff, what was your, what was the emotion that you were left with? Was it more sadness? Was it more anger? What did you leave with? That's a good question. Um, The emotion I think that I was left with was sadness, but more so I focused on just the tremendous loss that I've experienced and understanding just how huge that loss has been for myself and for my 13-year-old son, it brings me more sadness than, than anger. Who he was, his character, his reputation, all of his legacy, what you saw is truly what you got with him. And I think that that became evident. It was always evident, but I think the picture was a little clearer um, with the huge amount of support that we saw during his passing. You know, we had two days worth of public viewings and the amount of people that were present at both viewings and, you know, all of their remarks were consistent. You know, everybody pretty much said the same thing in a different way. How kind he was, how warm he was, how, you know, humble he was. And that just gave me a lot of comfort because sometimes, um, as you forestated, you know, when you're a little girl or when you're a daddy's girl, you look at your dad as, Superman, a superhero, but to hear other people say such nice things about him and confirm to you that he really was who you thought he was, I mean, it's amazing. And that alone is enough to bring me joy. Benny Napoleon is just one of the faces of the over 500,000 people who would succumb to the virus. All are more than just a statistic. They were parents and children, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, and grandparents. As we continue to battle this scourge, we should never forget this. When we come back, another story. This of a beloved grandmother who would survive a heart attack but couldn't beat COVID. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Another one of those whose names is on the dubious list of Americans who have lost their lives to COVID was Lillian Childs. Her granddaughter, Jeanette Greenwood, is an independent film producer. Her family has also been hit by COVID-19. She also lost her uncle. Jeanette says even before this, she took COVID seriously. I was taking it pretty seriously because I was seeing people around me um, that was catching it. So I was kind of like, I just when they said quarantine, I quarantined and I stayed there. You lost your grandmother and uncle. Give me a sense of first your grandmother and, you know, she lived to, to see in ripe old age, but give me a sense of how this affected you. Well, she caught it probably right when it, right when they started locking down everything and she was in a nursing facility. So around, I'm going to say end of March, April was when she caught it. And, um, when, when, the, when they first diagnosed her with it, she was real, I mean, just funky, 95-year-old, played piano, uh, black power, you know, she was just funky. Um, so when, when, we, when they told us she had it, I would talk to her every day on the phone because they locked down the facility. And she said, 
they told me I got I got a virus. And she said, do you know what that is? And I was like, yeah, big mama. We call her big mama. I was like, yeah, big mama. You know, it's a virus that's going around and it's, it's you know, it's kind of bad, but you're probably going to be okay. And at that time, I just was just really just hearing her, like, clear her throat a lot. And shortly after that, it went from her clearing her throat to her running fever uh, until her being hot to she her being hospitalized. And it was just it was it was bad because she was walking around doing everything. And 95, she ended up beating it. But she never walked again. She could not sit up by herself. And she was diagnosed with stage one dementia which she remembers stuff, but you know, it was just the first phases of it. But with the COVID, it took her from phase one to final stages, dementia. Were you able to see her after she quote beat it? Were you able to at least be face to face with her? Not, we only could see her through a glass. We had to see her through a glass and she was not happy about that at all. Um, that was that was extremely hard because it was like she was in prison and we had to see her through a glass. To experience not being able to touch, hold, um, you know, console a loved one. What was that like for you? Well, it was hard. Um, I, I, I was her baby and I was very spoiled and all the other grandkids, they knew it. <laughs> so we, we didn't fight about it. Um, I, it was hard to explain to her, especially with her, you know, when I go, she would be like, do you want to come inside? And then, she, like I say, she was real feisty. So she was, I was like, I can't come inside. They told me I can't. So she was like, who told you you can't come in here? And I was like, big mama, I just can't. So eventually it got to the point, the last time that I went to go see her, um, before she went critical, um, she wanted me to oh God, she wanted me to come inside so bad. And I knew something was different that at that visit, um, because she just was like, I really uh, can you come inside? They, they had like she was in like a waiting area, like the little living area with the chairs and couches. So she knew it's room for you to come in here. And I was like, Big Mama, I can't because of COVID. And and that day. It got me because she broke down and my grandmother's, when my grandfather died, she didn't even cry. I mean, she may have cried privately, but I, I never seen her cry. And she cried and she cried and, and bas- basically she said something to the fact that basically I'm not going to see you again. I'm not going to be able to touch you again until I die because we are believers. So she was like, until I die, I'll see you in heaven. I'm not going to see you again. And that, that went all through me. And I, literally, I'm just being honest. If I thought I could break that glass out and just get to her just for that moment, I would have done it. To feel that pain of not being able to get to your family, able to just to hold her hand or to hug her. I can't even explain the pain. And it's still... Now I still think about it. I can't even explain the pain of feeling it. I wouldn't want anybody to go through that, but it's, 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 it's unexplainable. Do you harbor any guilt? Yes. Yes. 
she had a, um, the reason she was in there, she had a heart attack. And so she was in a rehab, a rehabilitation facility to try to help her get back. And she was doing everything. She told us she didn't even have a heart attack. She's like, they said I did, but I, you know, she argued about the heart attack. So the facility was just a temporary placement until she get back. So it was a rehab. And unfortunately, it became more than a rehab because they locked down and then she became, you know, sick. And so it's like, I do have regrets because I was like, maybe I should have brought her home with me. You know, uh, maybe I should have went, got her. So I'm dealing with all of that, you know, and it was out of my control. You know, I have, I, I'm not the overseer. My dad was, but it's a lot of regrets. It's a lot of regrets. And it's regrets that nothing we can do anything about, but live with it. Uh, when did your uncle pass? Um, he passed in October. And it was the same kind of situation where people could not get to him, I'm assuming? No. His children, his wife, nobody could get to him. The same situation. My mom, um, she talked to him maybe one or two times, and it went from that quickly. It went back. And um, he got a chance to tell my mom that he loved her because that was my mom's bro- baby brother. And um, but it, it happened so quick with the COVID, and and he he was a cancer survivor, so his immune wasn't like it needed to be. Uh, and um, so nobody nobody got a chance to to be there. How are you feeling about people who aren't taking this seriously? Who um you know, feel like, oh, it won't happen to me. Angry. Um, disbelief, because I don't know what world they they live in. I honestly don't. I'm like, what world are they living in? What TV are they watching? This is real. And it's not fair for people like my grandmother and people that are not going out anywhere to catch it. You know, it's being brought in to them. And I think it's not fair that people are out here that are not caring about the, the, the vulnerable people, the, the vulnerable population. And that's not fair. Do you, um, has it changed your way of looking at life? Has it changed my way? <laughs> yes. Um, it has changed my way. Things that, we took for granted, like hugging, <laughs> um, going to family functions when you could go, but you chose not to go. Um, things that we would just normally just, oh, well, I'll catch it the next time. Now you're looking at, will it be a next time? Will it ever be another time? Things that we took for granted, I don't take those things for granted anymore. I want to make sure everybody know that I love them because we don't know. I feel isolated now and I'm not, I'm a, I'm a free bird. I like people. I'm a, I like, you know, I will meet up with my girls. We in Dallas. We just, you know, Hey, it's, I, I, I'm a, I'm a creator. So I, you can't hold me like this. And now it's becoming my normal because I'm like almost to the point where I really don't want to go anywhere. And, and it's, it is a, a, 
I guess it is a fear because when I heard my grandmother screaming when she was in the hospital and I called and I heard the pain from the COVID was so bad on her body. And when I heard her screaming and I'm talking to the nurse and she was just screaming and screaming and screaming. And I'm not talking about like, ah, I mean, screaming because she was in so much pain. And then all the only words that I could understand that was coming out of her mouth was Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Eventually, the nurse even went to pray. She said, I might get in trouble for this, but I got to pray for her. And she had to pray for me. So, yeah, I'm afraid. When you witness something like that, it's not anything I heard. It's things that I'm seeing. And it's not just, that's just a few. I have family members. My aunt went to my uncle's funeral. Her brother, the baby sister, she contracted it. Her and her two daughters. We almost lost her. So it has hit my family really bad. Have you have you had a time to say why us? Yes. Yes. And I'm like, God, what did we do? And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking that. What did I do? Let me ask you finally, let, let, let's bring a happier note to this if we can. Uh, and again, you know, I just want people to be able to hear real stories, not numbers, not just, oh, wear your mask. I, I want folks to hear the stories that we don't often see or you hear about just for 10 seconds on the news that X number of people died today. But those people don't mean anything to you because it's just a number. It's just a number. Tell us how you will remember your grandmother and you know what you want to do to keep her legacy, her, her light that she gave you alive. Every year from when I was able to use the phone, it was like, this is the thing I had to do. I had to call her. Either she called me, but after I got, I started getting so old, she forgot to call me because she started forgetting my birthday. So when she didn't call me, normally she would call me. So I'm like, your mama didn't call me. So I'll call her, I say, what is today? And then I'll tell her, it's my birthday. You forgot. So this year it was hard because we didn't have our phone conversation. But luckily last year I went to visit her and that's why it's so good to, to, for film and videos and pictures. And I, I videoed her. I was up there at the facility with her and it was my birthday. And uh, I went live actually on Facebook. And everybody loved Big Mama because I, when I did my Corona Blues series, she, when she called it, I was giving everybody updates on Big Mama. They used to love her stories because she has some funny stories. That's how I become a storyteller. And so um, I got a chance to look at the video and just her smile and her laughter and her jokes and her stories. And then I think about her, her energy and just everything that she's always encouraged me just to, to you, you're going to be good. And she just always would like, when she talks to people about me, like, and I'm sitting there listening, like, who is she talking about? Like, yeah, my granddaughter, you know, she can, she's a filmmaker and she does this. And I'm like, what celebrity is she talking about? You know, <laughs> but she's talking about me. So I just, I just channel all of that and laugh and think about all these stories she used to tell us and all of her 1925 and 1930 stories and her Martin Luther King stories. And I mean, she was, 
I got so many memories, so many stories from all the things that she shared. And I just, even when she passed, I, I, I told her that she was prepping me all last year about death. And I told her, I, I, I'm dramatic. And I told her that if you die, I'm going to act fool at your funeral and I'm going to scream. And I started showing her. So she was like, no, 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 don't you do that, Jeanette. So every time she said, no, 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 I would go, ah! and I would scream. She was like, don't you do that. She had this real high pitch. Don't you do that. Say, don't you act like that. And so I did not act like that. And it was like, I was so surprised because I'm an emotional person, but at her service, I was able to smile. I honestly was. And I know that she's not in pain. And looking around at this world and what we're going through right now and the isolation that I know she felt because of COVID-19, I know that that was a big part of her leaving us is because she couldn't get to us anymore. And I just, I'm at peace at right now, even though she's gone to see what we're still battling and what we're still dealing with and we and stuff is mutating. We don't know. None of us know what tomorrow is going to be for us. So I feel like she's in a much, much better place than we are right now. So I can smile knowing that she always told me I'm going to be with the Lord. So I can smile because she's where she wants to be. These are just two stories of families that, for them, COVID became all too real. I send continued prayers to those, all of those who've lost loved ones, and again remind us that those who passed on were more than just a statistic, a number, or a name on a list. Remember that in spite of the strides we are making, this pandemic is very real and will take more lives. Remember, we're still in the fight to end this pandemic. Please do all you can to stay safe and keep others out of harm's way. Let's all do what we can to keep ourselves and our loved ones here for as long as we can. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.